right, here we go. This better be good. What the hell is this all about, huh? It better be good immediately. If this is not good really, really soon, you are gone. No patience today. I think uh, we all realize that. You don't have to have patience anymore. Why would you? There's too many podcasts out there. If this isn't good in the first few minutes, goodbye. Who would be listening right now, anyways? Podcast number one. Welcome, everybody. My name is Josh, but you know that by now. I'm pretty certain you know me. If you've made it this far, you're probably a good friend, maybe a family member, maybe a co-worker, maybe a former co-worker, an acquaintance, a peer. But if you're just some stranger, you've never heard of me, and of the four million podcasts out there, you picked this one, then you scare the shit out of me, and God, I love you. You are just a person who randomly selected, here we go, and now you're committed or not. But yeah, I don't even know what this is yet. It'll be something. I do realize there's a podcast for everybody out there, a podcast for every interest. It's not like my days in radio where you would listen to a show or maybe somebody would listen to my show and say, God, I hope he starts talking about the NFL. Hope he starts talking about baseball. Those people nowadays just have something to cater to their exact interests. You don't listen to the radio anymore and say, I hope they talk about something. You just find the podcast for you. It's easy. There used to be only a few options. If you think about the early days of radio, think about the early days of TV. Everybody had a few channels, just a few shows, black and white shows, Mr. Ed, Patty Duke, Green Acres. You go before that, the early days of radio, when families would gather around and listen to Zorro or whatever the fuck was on the radio, Amos and Andy, Sid Caesar's show of shows. Think about how many people truly didn't like that stuff, but it's all there was. So they had to kind of pretend, yeah, this is good. This is great. You know, one of the few options for our listening pleasure this week as we gather around. Now there's way too much. It's too much. There's not enough minutes in the day. I've developed a fear of missing out on the quality content. And if anybody ever recommends something to me and I don't like it in the first few minutes, then hell no would I waste any of my life committing to it, which is weird that I'm asking you to please, I'm pleading, commit to this stupid podcast, when in all honesty, this will be the worst podcast I ever do. The first one. Think about the first time you do anything in life. It's your worst version of it. Golf, bowling, rollerblading. You remember those days on your skates, your inline skates, scraping your knee, and then three months later... You were ready to be an extra in the movie Airborne. Anybody? Airborne, filmed in Cincinnati. But it's true. It's true. Most shows get better after a few. Most podcasts get better after a few. So it's kind of a contradiction of we the people. We're not going to sit around and wait and wait for something to get good. But really, that's when things get good. And it's trickled into other facets of life. You've seen it trickle into sports. When rookies are drafted, they have to be good immediately. But how many star athletes are really great immediately? It takes time. And as I've looked at this concept, I, I've realized that this is how I've lived my life. This is how I was raised. My own mother, when she goes to the movie theater, she gives it 20 minutes. And if she's not feeling it, if she thinks it's slow, if the plot hasn't developed, she is out of there. But not without a refund. No. If she finds that Dreamgirls was overrated, or maybe Donnie Brasco was too violent... She will go to the nerdy kid at the cashier at the cash register and say, yes, I need a refund. The movie wasn't good. And the kid will always get the manager. 
This is how I grew up, going to the movies with my mom. The kid gets the manager, the guy in the red coat with the flashlight. He comes out, and my mom haggles with him. And, he, of course, he always gives her the ten bucks back. But I love the part where she has to plead her case, as if this guy directed the movie, as if this guy was the screenwriter or the cinematographer. We're hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles away from Hollywood. But she feels the need to let this manager of the Regency Theater know she did not think the acting was up to par. Pretty sure the guy doesn't even need a reason. He was going to give her the refund anyways, but she likes to let this guy know why the movie didn't do it for her. And I realized that, in my mind, to this day when I watch a movie, I've never made it through an entire movie that I didn't like in the first 20 minutes. I go to a movie with my mom, like Nebraska, this Will Forte movie. Black and white, it was getting all this Oscar buzz. And I like Will Forte from Saturday Night Live. Usually pretty good. Last Man on Earth, if you're watching that, he's pretty damn funny. His career is still thriving. Can't say that for a lot of SNL alums. But yeah, after about 11 minutes, my mom gives me the look into Nebraska. And I said, yeah, I'm with you. So I still don't have a clue what that movie's about. So why the hell am I doing this? Why am I sitting in my boxers in a dark room with my new toy microphone recording some rambling, some rants? What, what, what's this supposed to be, right? There's clearly no time. Just had a baby, 11-week-old newborn, and I'm trying to find time to commit to this. So that's a great idea. This should be called the guilt factor, because anytime I do this, in the back of my mind, I'll hear the voice, you should be changing a diaper. You should be reading one of those thrilling children's books to your little girl with amazing plot development. What happens to the caterpillar? <gasps> Ooh, the kitten is going where? Oh, a page turner. Oh boy, the fish. I can't, I can't wait to see how this unfolds. But if I do, if I could find any time to commit to this, the vision is long-form interviews. That's it. It's the best. I feel like anytime I have a stimulating conversation with an intelligent person and I actually learn something, it's the most uplifted feeling I possibly have nowadays. I think most people know the feeling. Talking to somebody who's interesting, who has some good stories, some good insight, who's engaging, if I could capture those conversations, then that's what this is supposed to be. It may be a little ramble here, ramble there, bullshit here, bullshit there, maybe even book my wife to be a guest. Which I've noticed is not the worst thing in the world. I've, I've heard a lot of other podcasters doing that. And I, I totally understand why. Accessibility. It's convenient. I'm sure I could probably try to reach out to some guests, which is what I was intending to do. But then they have to stay. Then you have to make sure that you have beverages for them. Then they use your toilet. Then it might become a day. Who has time for that? Not to be too Larry David about it, but honestly, who has time for that? Every time I want to record a podcast, I also have a guest over. No, the best thing ever is looking ahead at a weekend where you know you have no plans. Sorry to be a hermit, but I think a lot of you are agreeing with me. You know those weekends without the Evite? Those weekends without a commitment? That is bliss. So I don't want to turn this into company. Yeah, podcast and hanging out. Sorry, when did I become this much of an asshole? I'm sorry. But basically it's therapeutic. Basically this has nothing to do with any connection to my radio days. It's just therapeutic, which is what it is for every podcaster. Unless it's a professional endeavor. Unless it's, you know, Adam Carolla making a living. Mostly the other trillion idiots like me who bought a toy microphone and are going to talk into it, create a logo, get a little theme music, and beg, beg for you to commit past the first few minutes. It's basically for the person talking. It's not for the audience. This is just going to be one long drawn out a boring therapy session and when i was growing up my dad 
No, but of course the goal is to, is to get some good people in here. Or maybe just turn it into a traveling portable podcast. I'll be the hobo on the streets recording some great conversations. And I think most people would agree the OG of this is not even a podcaster, but long-form interviews. Howard Stern, the best ever. The Michael Jordan of this. And that model, not the old, you know, Jay Leno, Johnny Carson, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, everybody's named Jimmy, Jimmy Corden, but that model of five and a half, six minute interview with planned canned questions and fake laughter that you see on late night nowadays, it's unwatchable. I understand maybe the monologues are pretty good, political wit, it makes it all more palatable, but really, those type of interviews are the fucking worst. So outside of Howard Stern, that's what we've got going on. If you're a true podcast fan, you probably do love the long-form interviews. And I was slow to even come around. I didn't understand this medium. I'm always slow to every party. If it's technological or electronic or something new age, I am late to it. I didn't even really understand podcasts until I was a guest on one. A couple of my buddies up here in the Bay Area, I'll plug their podcast, Matt and Aaron. They had me on and we all talk into a microphone, shoot the shit. And I didn't really understand the appeal. But that was the day where they asked me, am I listening to Mark Marin? Mark Marin, WTF. And I said, I've never heard of him. And nope. But they said, you gotta. They demanded it. Go listen to Mark Marin. You like stand-up comedy? I like stand-up comedy. Go listen to Mark Marin. So I gave it a whirl, and it was exactly what I've been missing in my life. Okay, that's too dramatic. But it was good. It was pretty 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 good and i had the realization that this is what comics should be doing think about most comedians when do they go to work 8 p.m 9 p.m that's a full day of loneliness and staring out of a hotel window that's a full day of just waiting for the clock to continue moving forward and night to fall so you could speak to some people on a microphone and what's a set 30 40 50 minutes but now you have some of the brightest minds and that's the unifying factor of comedians it's not funny if you think about the common theme of the best comedians ever, it's that they're smart. You know, smart like Chris Rock or George Carlin. You know, these guys are not necessarily laugh out loud to me, but they've said some of the most intelligent shit I've ever heard when it comes to describing society. How about Eddie Murphy? Ask people, are you an Eddie Murphy fan? The answer is yes, of course. You like Eddie Murphy's comedy? Sure, of course. Is he one of the greats? Yup. How many hours of Eddie Murphy comedy have you actually seen? Delirious, raw, maybe you had the cassette with that flower in his hair on the cover. Yeah, about three, four hours tops. Could you even imagine if Eddie Murphy was delivering that free content on a podcast? It'd be gold. True gold. It's the greatest avenue. So now you have all these comedians who are spending the day with their little microphones, putting together their rants and ramblings, and it is unbelievably brilliant. So this is going to get real meta, talking about other people's podcasts on a podcast. And I'm going to use the word meta because I learned it. And now I'm going to sound smarter. But Mark Marin, what he's doing, interviewing comedians, hour-long interviews, it's like he found the recipe for success. You know, Before that, when would you ever hear a comic interviewed? On one of the shitty late-night shows or possibly a morning radio show for six, seven minutes when they're in town promoting their show? So I'm just looking at my phone right now. Let me give you some quick reviews. Here, if you've never delved into that world, if we're like-minded, if I'm speaking to people right now who have similar sensibilities to mine, you're going to like these. All right, Mark Maron, clearly the best. 
and it's even launched his own career. He's on Netflix shows, his comedy specials, they're getting a bunch of great reviews. And he's an intellect, way, way more so than being a funny person. He's actually not a funny person at all. He's just a gifted interviewer. Uh, Joe Rogan experience, everybody knows Joe Rogan from Fear Factor, maybe News Radio, maybe UFC, but his podcast is outstanding and it's inspiring. He's one of the few individuals who makes the tough things in life that we all know will make us feel better. He makes it look easy. Meditation, eating well, fitness, nutrition. He makes it look like, yeah, that's the spice of life. That's what we should all be aspiring to do. And after every podcast, I spend one minute, maybe two minutes, thinking, all right, I'm going to turn my life around. And then, nope. And then back to the melted cheese fiasco. Uh, I'm going to keep going through my podcasts. Bobby Lee, Tiger Belly. Unbelievably funny. Bobby Lee, Mad TV, Poway Represent. Uh, Laugh Out Loud. Just the ramblings of a lunatic. Bill Burr. Just ranting in his own basement. Sometimes his wife pops in. He's having a cigar. There's nothing more just organic and natural than listening to a brilliant comedy mind like Bill Burr. Just going off on anything. Sports, interactions, relationships. Uh, Pete Holmes which I didn't think I would love because he interrupts his guests, he laughs at his own jokes, he's pretty obnoxious, but holy shit, it's good. And I don't even know why, but similar to Mark Maron, he's a gifted interviewer. Gets people to open up. Isn't that the bottom line? The best interviews, you get them to forget that there's a microphone on and they're just having that raw discussion, almost like we're just overhearing it. We, the listener, overhearing it. That's the best. So yeah, Pete Holmes, who used to have that awful show on after Conan O'Brien, his career has launched from his podcast. He now has a pretty good show on HBO called Crashing, and if you're not listening to any of these because your interests are so far beyond that, then perfect. That's good. That's what this is for, this medium. I don't care what your interest is. There's something for you. Cooking, there's a podcast for you. Gardening, there's a podcast for you. My wife, essential oils, uh, maybe pregnancy in the past clean eating there's a podcast for you not saying they're all quality but this is now jukebox life you're gonna find anything that fits you and be able to access it immediately all right i'm already sick of my own voice so if you made it this far i owe you a thank you note in the mail which is a trend that needs to stop why are we still doing thank you notes nobody has ever received a thank you note and held on to it for more than three seconds before throwing it away And I'm not even bringing up the environmental reasons uh, that thank you notes are either unnecessary or could be electronic, but who the fuck started this? Why after every great event are we spending hours? Dear Aunt Marie and Uncle Bob, thank you so much for the pair of socks. We really loved seeing you at Uncle Lester's coming out of the closet party. Best wishes, Josh. But if the voice is not bothering you yet, then good. Because guess what? I hate this voice. Everyone does. It's a scientific fact. Nobody likes the sound of their own voice. Something about the way it's filtered as we hear it out loud is okay. It's manageable, like when I'm hearing it right now. Alright, it's fine. But if I was to listen on playback, hate it. Hear it on a voicemail, I don't like it. And there have been studies on this. It gets filtered and adds a little bass as we hear it through our own skull. And I'm screwing this up, I realize. But when it's unfiltered, just going out there into the world and we hear it back, ugh, Nobody likes their own voice, or most people don't. Even the people that like to talk and talk and talk, if they hear it back, they probably cringe. Maybe they don't admit it. It's always weird seeing yourself do anything. You ever caught yourself laughing in the mirror? It's an 
interesting, somewhat fascinating, but embarrassing outer body experience. You ever seen yourself walk? A couple days ago, I was walking my dog just next to a store that had a reflective wall or something. I was just watching myself walk. And I realized, I'm only 36. I look grizzled. I've got my dad's gait already. When did this happen? I look like a guy who maybe played a sport. Let's even say professional. Yeah, let me let me do a little self-praise. I look a guy like a guy who maybe played a sport so long ago. And I had so many injuries. It had ended my career early. You know, maybe I had a cup of coffee with the Mets, but really kind of hung around double A ball for a few years. Knees are no good. That's what my walk looks like. I always thought I was smooth. I thought I was a pimp. I thought I had the pimp limp. No. Look like an old grizzled former Mets minor leaguer. Yeah, but same thing with the voice. Nothing you want to ever hear back. But thank you. All right, so I'll end with this. Whatever the hell I'm doing right now, I'll just end with this. I've noticed being a high school teacher, I have a bunch of kids in my journalism class who are writing stories, doing a great job, but you put it out for public consumption, just like anything. If you're going to put it out for public consumption, I always thought you had to be brave and it takes courage. But this new generation, and that's definitely my favorite thing about teaching, is just seeing what the future looks like. The new generation, they only know the immediacy of feedback. Think about that for a moment. Whatever they put out there, immediately the world of trolling or even compliments, it comes at them. Whether it's Twitter, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Snapchat, people give you their comments, their feedback immediately. Impulse, impulse, impulse. There's no grace period. Even when I put up this podcast, you know, there'll be a few comments. This sucks. And I, being from a different generation, I'm sensitive to it. I'm the one with thin skin who goes, what do you mean it sucks? That's why they've invented blocking and muting and unfriending and unfollowing for the people that can't handle it. But this generation can. I truly believe that. It's all they know. You know, if you go way back in the day, you read an article that you did not like. You wrote a letter to the editor and maybe it was published. Probably wouldn't be in the Sunday newspaper. But nowadays, these kids, when they put something out for public consumption, whether it's an article or a video or a thought... The feedback is so immediate that they don't expect it all to be positive, so they're almost numb to it. I think it's impressive in a weird way. I think we're cultivating a generation of people who still care. They still have feelings, but when it comes to sharing art, they're probably more equipped to deal with the critics. I envy that. You know, I removed the comments section from our little high school newspaper website, and they were like, don't remove the comments. We can handle it. We can handle the trolls. So I guess I have to end that with a motivational comment like, don't be afraid of the critics. Don't inhibit your ability to create something special just simply because you're worried about the reaction. I saw a tweet the other day about Brian Cranston, the actor, how he didn't really hit fame until he was older. So to stay with it and stop putting off what you've been meaning to do. It's true. If you always say, I've been meaning to do this. I've been meaning to play more golf. I've been meaning to do this. I've been meaning to learn how to play the piano. Do it. That was me. Been meaning to do a dumb podcast. We'll see where this goes. But I do appreciate you tuning in. I should probably plug something uh, after these messages from our... No? We don't have advertisers yet? Okay. Sorry, I'm just getting word from my producer. No? No? Okay. I don't have a producer yet. It's just me in a dark room staring off into the sky with my little toy microphone. When I unwrapped this, it came from Amazon. My wife looked at it and said, really? Okay. Okay, good luck finding time for that. But we're going to find some time. All right, so I did write a book once. I'll plug that right now. You can find it, Suddenly Facing Reality. 
uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, AuthorHouse.com. If you read it and you know me and you think I wrote about myself, then I'll get mad at you and go, No, I didn't. Shut the fuck up. But deep down, I think we all know, yeah, I, I probably did. I probably wrote a few characters with my own sensibilities. Although it's fiction, folks. It's a novel. So suddenly facing reality. You can check it out, Amazon.com. Have you heard of this website? Uh, Barnes & Noble Author House. All right, the next time we speak, maybe there'll be somebody sitting with me. So I could actually bounce some of this bullshit off of them. Uh, but here we go. Episode one in the books. I'll talk to you soon.